Or if you've got a Bible, you can turn to uh, Colossians 1, and uh, we're just going to be studying two scriptures this morning, 13 and uh, 14. More than ever, I uh, sit and hear my kids complaining about the speed of the wireless internet in our house, and uh, it seems to be something that uh, used to be, but now since everybody's on the internet, using the internet, it seems to have slowed down the internet process quite a bit, and so sometimes they're complaining about not being as fast to watch a video or to play a video game, and it's not fast enough, but I can't help but think about when there was no internet. Uh, I can remember when there was no internet. I can remember uh, when the first internet was the AOL servers. You remember that? And you used to dial it up, and it'd make all these weird noises like ding, 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 and then... If you didn't get quite the last ding, it didn't connect, and it said unsuccessful, and you go, oh, man, you didn't get it. And it would take like 15 minutes to load your email. Remember that? Uh, and it would load up. And so uh, as we think about things in life, even when we go to a restaurant, even today, if our food doesn't come out right away, uh, we look around like, what's, what's taking so long? Like, you know, this is really something that should be happening. I've been here. What's going on? Knowing if you had to fix it and you had to be at home, what would happen? take a lot longer than just 10 minutes, right? Uh, if you talk about work, a lot of times you say, what takes me so long to get a promotion? Why do I have to put all these years in? I, 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 why haven't I got my pay raise? It's been a whole month or a week. Uh, it comes to traffic, same way. You know, I remember in Jacksonville when you used to have the tolls on JTB. You remember that? I used to hate those tolls. But now if you don't get through traffic or you don't get through other things, uh, even, in, even in finance, you name it. Uh, we have become impatient, and we've become so busy in our world that the things of most value, we tend to overlook. We tend to just gloss right by them. We tend to skip by them, and not just in everyday life, but like in the mindset of Christianity, we've taken that same mindset. In our spiritual lives, we don't want to take the time, or we do not take the time to really dwell on and meditate and worship God for the foundation of our faith. Uh, in the business of the world, and the business of getting before uh, all the other things we have to do in the world, we don't oftentimes quiet ourselves before the Lord and really focus and really meditate, really worship Him for what a wonderful salvation. We tend to look it over and then push it aside. And then rush through worship and try to get off to doing whatever else we have to do. We don't let it soak. We don't let it, uh, uh, me we don't meditate on it. We don't think about it enough. Most Christians have the mindset, I've been saved. I know all about it. Now it's time to move on. I need something new. I need something exciting. I need something better. And in doing that, we've, we've discounted the value of our salvation. We rush through it, and the most important thing in our lives, we don't, we don't ever dwell on or meditate on or let it move our heart with joy or worship. We're not moved by the message of Jesus anymore. We're not moved by the message of salvation. We feel like we've been there, done that, let's move on. But the truth of the matter, as Christians, we should never get over our salvation. Amen. Salvation was God's greatest work. And in our lives, it's the greatest work He has done in our life. And we're not just to hear about it and move on, but we're to meditate on it. We're to study it. 
We're to go back and remember. We're to, we're to keep focus on the doctrines of salvation to help keep us grounded. Now this week, Aaron and I got to celebrate our 20th year anniversary. And I know you're thinking, man, that's a lucky woman. I know anybody, but... <laughs> I won't say that in the second service. There we go. Maybe because I have a black eye, I don't know. Anyways, but <laughs> I'm incredibly blessed by her in our marriage. I was thinking about 20 years, but why do we have anniversaries? Why do we go back and think about our marriage? Why do we think about our ceremony? Why do we set aside time, mark our calendars? Why do we plan time together? Why do we take time to think about an anniversary? Because in a marriage, we have a tendency to take one another for granted. We have a tendency to move past the fact that God brought two people together that changed your life forever. And, and you get busy with life, and you get busy with kids, you get busy with jobs, and you forget to celebrate and be grateful for God just bringing two people together or bringing a marriage together. In other words, you could say we get over being married. Our, our love for one another grows lukewarm. We take one another for granted and we just go through the busyness of life and our hearts are no longer moved and our hearts are no longer uh, uh, peaked with uh, uh, a care or concern for one another. And that's why it's important in marriage to celebrate the things of marriage and the people of marriage. Above all that God has blessed us with, with our kids, with our home, with our, with our family, with our jobs. Above all that, we should never get over God blessing us with each other. That in marriage, we should celebrate that, that when it comes down to the foundation, the anchor of the marriage is the two people, the husband and the wife, that God has brought together. And things will come and go, but the two of you or the two of us should be there forever. And we will be together forever. And we should celebrate that. And the same is true for our salvation. The salvation, our salvation is the anchor of our soul. It's the anchor of our faith. Our salvation is the foundation. Paul described it as the helmet of salvation. And we need to study it. We need to live it. We need to be moved by it. We need to be grateful for it. And it should be the life spring of our hearts. We should never get over being saved. Never. We should never get over the point that we're not moved with the message that Jesus Christ saved us. We should never get over the, the point that Christ loved us and He gave His life for us and the Gospel should move us because when we do, we take things for granted. And we take things for granted, we lose our joy and our zeal and our passion for Christianity. And the church at Colossae had done that. They, had, they were infiltrated by false teachers. They, were, they began to tell them that you know, salvation is great. The gospel's good. But you need to move on. There's a better knowledge. There's a deeper meaning. And that Jesus is great, but there's so much more that you're missing out on. Well, thank God for men like Paul. Because Paul knew how important it was. He knew how important salvation was. Paul had the Damascus Road experience. Paul had the experience that God changed his life completely. And so much so that he was never the same. Just like us, when we get saved, we're never the same. But Paul realized it in a very real way. 
And that salvation experience is the deepest work God will ever do in our life. It does not just impact us in the beginning of our spiritual life. It impacts every area, every phase of our spiritual life. It's a well that should never run dry. No matter how many times you go to church, no matter how many times you read your Bible, no matter how many times you pray, no matter how many times you do good deeds, your heart should still flood with joy when you hear or celebrate or worship Jesus Christ and the message of salvation for your life. It should be automatic. And if not, we've grown cold. We've gotten over the message of Christ. We've gotten over like the Colossian, the church at Colossae here, the joy and the zeal of, the, of, of God's salvation. And this morning, I want you to pray and consider this message just as I did this week. Ask God to open your heart. Ask God to move your mind and your heart through this message. And when you hear this, may your hearts be flooded with joy and with zeal and with worship this morning. And so just two verses. I want to read the verses. We're going to go back and talk about them. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now Paul declares without a doubt, there's only one Savior. And that's Jesus Christ. And when you go through Colossians, he teaches us two ways. He teaches us about the Savior, and he teaches us about the salvation that he provides. And next week, we're going to really get into the Savior part. Paul takes us as deep as any teaching there ever is on Jesus Christ and his union and his, and his character. And we'll talk more about that in several weeks. But this morning, let's talk about the salvation. He provides for us a glimpse of this great salvation that God has provided. And man's greatest problem is sin. And, and because of that problem, it can never be solved by a philosopher. It can't be solved by good works. It can't be so, solved by a religious teacher. Sinners need a Savior. Sinners need salvation. And Jesus is the Savior, and the salvation that He provides is in what Paul gives us in these two verses. I want to talk about it in detail. Four things. Paul begins with verse 13. He says, He delivered us. From the kingdom of darkness. He delivered us. The word literally means rescued from danger. It means that you were in a helpless situation. And someone came to deliver you, to rescue you. Similar to being out in, a, in the ocean and drowning. And as you are drowning, you have to call out, for someone to rescue you because no matter what you do, you are not saving yourself. You're not going to make it. And so what happens is when a, when a lifeguard or someone comes along beside you, they, are, they rescue you from the impending danger. Meaning that if you stay in your condition, you're going to die. You will drown. Yet someone swoops in and they rescue you from the impending danger that's already in place. You see, when we talk about salvation, one of the greatest uh, truths that I think we miss sometimes in our culture is that 
the impending judgment of God is already over our heads. It, it says that the wrath of God is to come, meaning that because of sin, we have already violated his holiness. And when his holiness is violated, it has to be, you have to pay, you have to pay the price. And for you and for me, we can't pay the price because we could never be righteous. We could never pay for our own sin because we have sin in our own life. We can't satisfy God's justice or we can't satisfy his holiness. And so that's where Jesus comes in. That's where the deliverer comes in. That's where the rescuer comes in. We, in our sin, cannot deliver ourselves, but Jesus comes and He delivers us from the kingdom of Satan or from the dominion of Satan. So when we talk about the dominion of Satan, so the power of darkness, darkness, we're talking about death. We're talking about spiritual death. We're talking about hell. We're talking about eternal damnation. We're talking about all these things that the Bible says happens to those who don't know Christ. And yet we can't help ourselves. But in our salvation, Jesus rescued us. That's why we use the word saved. Sometimes you ask someone, are you saved? And they'll say, saved from what? Saved from the wrath of God. How about that? <laughs> right? I mean, praise God, we've been saved from eternal separation from God. Saved from the penalty of sin. Saved from the spiritual death. Saved from Satan's destruction in our life. You know, I look not only to my life of what it was like before I knew Christ, which wasn't bad. I was young when I got saved. I may have stole a few cookies, as you can tell. But anyhow, other than that, I wasn't like a, you know, hell's angel or a, I didn't murder anyone. <laughs> you know, I'd hear all these testimonies, all these people. But not only what God saved me from, but what God saved me to. Think about that. After you are saved, think about the grip of Satan's darkness is no longer on your life. And you look at people's lives and you think, how did they get in that condition? I can tell you how they got in that condition. They're under the grip of darkness. They can't help themselves. That when, when, when that grip of darkness says, take that drug, they take that drug. When it tells them to be angry, they are angry. When it says to fight, they fight. When it says to steal, they steal. They have no power over darkness, over Satan, over the world. But us as Christians, part of our salvation is not what He saved us from, but what He saved us to, that we no longer have to do those things because we have power over the darkness. We have power to say no to sin. We have power to live a life free. We have a power to serve God because He delivered us. He delivered us from the grip of Satan and from the impending judgment. And he is able. And he's the rescue of our souls. And I'm so grateful he chose to rescue me. Aren't you? You couldn't help yourself. But he swooped in and he rescued you. Every once in a while I think about this. Because, uh, uh, you know, Courtney's got a bunny. <laughs> Against her mom's wishes. <laughs> Stays out on the back porch. But, you know, people put things in people's minds, and I think it's quite funny to get the picture of this. And actually, Courtney got a bunny, and she told Miss Tammy. Miss Tammy says, oh, no, do not let that bunny out in the yard because a hawk swooped down and stole our bunny one time. So every time it goes outside, Courtney's, <laughs> she's over top of it. She's trying to keep it from the hawk. And I'm thinking in my mind, I don't know why, but I had this picture that just, just plays over in my mind of the hawk swooping down going to get it, and I just like swipe the hawk away, you know. And she's like, Dad, you saved my bunny, <laughs> you know. 
Like I'm just a hero of saving the bunny. So part of me wants to see the hawk swoop, but knowing me, I would fall and miss the hawk, you know? And there goes little Clovey. <laughs> its name's Clover, but I told her, I said, when the hawk gets it, it's over. <laughs> so we just, we'll drop the C and we'll just call, oh, we had a bunny named Over. <laughs> it's gone. But, but I just, I just had this picture of this rescuer of a soul. I, 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 I don't know why, but when I think of it, I just feel like we're, we're, just, we're just like a helpless field bunny out there. And when the devil comes to swoop in to take us away, here comes Jesus. And he swoops that devil away. He grabs us up and he says, you're mine. You're mine. You're rescued. You're saved. There is no way. Nobody's getting a hold of you. You are mine. He's the great deliverer. He delivered us. He's the rescuer. Number two, he conveyed us. You think about it when he says he conveyed us into his kingdom of his son. Think about this. This word was described of, of the deportation of the population from one country to another. Well, what happened, Antichonus the Great, he transported at least 2,000 Jews from Babylonia to Colossae. So what he would do is once he conquered a city, he would make them all march to this other city, and he would translate them into under his rule. Well, Jesus Christ did not release us from bondage, bondage just to wander aimlessly. He moved us into a new kingdom. He, he moved us into a new realm. He moved us into the kingdom of light. He moved us into the kingdom of God. That we are no longer just earth dwellers. You know, when you read the book of Revelation, one of the saddest words in there to me is earth dwellers. It keeps saying, then the earth dwellers, then the earth dwellers, then the earth dwellers. Well, praise God for us as Christians, we are not earth dwellers. We, we are conveyed into the kingdom of God already through His Son. That we have a new king. We have a new kingdom that this world is not our home. Thank God, right? Listen, we're going to a kingdom where there is no pain. There is no sorrow. There is no coronavirus. There is no, there is no political parties. There is no, I could say this here, no Nancy Pelosi's. There is no, uh, <laughs> I won't say that in a 1030 service, but anyhow. There, there is no, there is no, you know, is the government lying? Are they not lying? Is there, there is no pain. There is no heartache. We are in a kingdom of Christ and we have been conveyed. We've been transferred. And we're just pilgrims traveling through this land. Listen, if, if I knew this world was all that I was ever going to experience, what a sad life. Man, what a pitiful, doomy, gloomy outlook. I wouldn't come out of the house. I would be depressed. I wouldn't have no hope. But yet, when we look to salvation, He transferred us. He conveyed us. He's put us into this kingdom of God that we know this is not our home. We are just traveling through. We are part of His kingdom and the kingdom of God. We are in the part of who He is. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them who has committed and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, who are ambassadors for Christ? And though God were, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See that? We are ambassadors for Christ. 
You know what an ambassador is? They're not a member or a citizen of that country. They represent another country that temporarily comes to this country to represent their, their kingdom. And that's the picture that God gives us in salvation. We are no longer under the kingdom of God, under the kingdom of Satan, but now we are in the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and we are an ambassador. We are a pilgrim traveling through this land. And thank God this world is not our home. We're just passing through. We talked about this several weeks ago in our in our Bible fellowship on Sunday night in Zoom. And we think about it a lot of times when we think that death is the end. But for a Christian, death is not the end. Death is a, really a promotion. Death is you going into the presence of God and, and returning home to the kingdom of Christ for in eternity. No longer to be held by this world or the things of this world or the pain and sorrow. But it is us translating into the kingdom of God. So he delivered us. He transferred us or conveyed us number three he redeemed us <clears throat> see the word redeem means to buy back I say well what would god have to, what would christ have to redeem us for he didn't pay the price to satan he paid the price to god and when we think about god and we, a lot of times we overlook the holiness of god we look that God is a judge and that God is holy and he is righteous and his love and his mercy and his grace is tempered by his holiness. And when his holiness is, trans and when his holiness is transgressed or that his holiness is violated, there must be judgment. There must be judgment and for the sin that was in our lives and in the world, the sin was that we must pay death, spiritual death. And, and, and but yet, as, as God would judge, he had a price to pay that was according to the law was that there must be a shedding of blood. There must be a ransom paid. Meaning that as we have to pay the price or someone has to pay the price to pay for the deliverance of that person. Well, it says here that in Christ, in our salvation, he redeemed us. He paid the price. Christ paid the price. And when you think about it, as he, as he comes, he paid the ransom. He paid the price with his blood. He paid the price by shedding his own blood on the cross. And that's why it's important to remember the blood. That's why, you know, all the modern day movement says move away from the cross and don't talk about the blood. It's offensive. But listen, the blood and the cross of Jesus Christ is where the very foundation of our, of our salvation that's where the power is. Because in the power of the blood, that's where He redeemed us. That's where He paid the price to God for you and for me. And may we never move away from the cross. May we never forget the payment of the blood of Jesus Christ He's given us for us. And He is our precious Savior that He paid for our salvation. Then Satan seeks to accuse us. And he wants to imprison us because he, know we're, he knows we're guilty of breaking God's law. And that guilt swoops in and says, you're not worthy. Why would God love you? You don't deserve it. That's right, we don't deserve it. And we are guilty, but praise God, we had a ransom paid. That we can go, and we could go to Calvary, and we could say, through the blood of Jesus Christ, I have been redeemed. That, that He paid the price for me. He shed His blood, and on that payment, I am now pure and holy before God because He met the righteous demand of God. Redeemed. How I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, 
redeemed his child and forever I am. Think about that. There's two ways you can pay for your sin. You can pay for yourself or you can plead the blood of Jesus Christ. If we pay for the sin ourselves, the judgment is clear. That we have eternal wrath from God for eternity. But if we claim the blood of Jesus Christ, what do we get? Salvation and paid by the blood of the Lamb. So when we stand before God, we're not going to stand before what we have done or what we have paid. We could stand in our salvation and say, I've been bought with a price. The price of the blood of Jesus Christ. He redeemed us. Thank God he's redeemed us. So not only has he delivered us, not only has he transferred us, not only has he redeemed us, but he has forgiven us. Think about this. Redemption and forgiveness always go together in the Bible. And uh, in Ephesians 1, 7, uh, the Bible says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. If you think about it, as 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 he comes to forgiveness, the word means to cancel a debt. To send it away. And for us as Christians, not only are we redeemed, but our sins have been forgiven. Listen, in Christ we have redemption through His blood. We've been bought with a price, but also we have been forgiven of our sins. And listen, what what the Bible says that we have violated a holy and righteous God and we deserve to be punished and separated from God, but yet Christ's blood, He bought us back and not only did He buy us back, but he's forgiven us. He's forgiven you and for me. Isn't it so good to be forgiven? I think back over 20 years of our marriage of all the dumb things that I've done. <laughs> I just think about it. And you know, when you're married and you have a disagreement and you know there's unforgiveness to everyone other, it's, it's miserable. Like, you know, you treat your kids bad, you go to work mad, you talk to everyone mad because you know why? You know there's that unforgiveness there in your relationship with your spouse. And listen, for us as Christians, the same way. Listen, when, when, when people don't have the forgiveness of sins, it makes them angry. That's why when we see people in the world, people are angry and people are upset and people's lives are falling apart. It's because they don't know what forgiveness is. They know they have violated God and they know they have to pay the price, but yet they don't know what forgiveness is. And in our lives, when I, when I fail, when I stumble, when I fall, man, when I repent, when I come to Jesus and I say, God, forgive me of my sins, it says that he, he has forgiven me. He has washed my sins away. He cancels the debt or the memory of my sin. Listen, that's good news. That's good news because we're all sinners. That's good news because of our past. It's good news because of our present future. Listen, as Christians, we're never going to be sinless. We should want to sin less, but we're never going to be sinless, all right? We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to get angry. We're going to get mad. We're going to we're gonna, uh, have anxiety. We're going to worry. We're going to go through all these things, and we need forgiveness. And, and the good news is that Jesus Christ has paid the price for our sins, and He has forgiven us. The Bible says in Hebrews that He takes our sin, and He will remember them no more. Listen, the word remember them no more is more than just forgetting A lot of people think that God just forgets our sin. No, he chooses not to remember them no more. That's even more powerful. That means he knows and he knows they're there, but he chooses not to hold them against you. One of my favorite hymns, 
What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank God. One old country boy preacher said, God takes your sins and puts them in the sea of forgiveness and posts a no fishing sign, right? Think about that. No more. And, and you know, when the devil comes and he whispers in here, you're not worthy. Look how you failed. Look what you've done. Look how you've done this and done that and done that. Listen, we could take him to the cross and we could say, I've been redeemed and I've been forgiven. Move on, right? God takes our sins and the Bible says he casts them as far as from the east is from the west. You think about when the Bible was written. How did they know this? You know, the Bible... Uh, is so accurate, even in everything that speaks. Because, you know, if he would have said from the north to the south, if you eventually go far enough north, guess what you're going to start doing? Going south. And, but you never go as far east as you can go as far, far as east is, as long as you can go east. And you can go west as long as you can go west. How accurate the Bible is. And think about that. From the far as the east is from the west, oh, the forgiveness of God for our sins. You think about our salvation. Think about what Paul was sharing with us here. We don't have to be good enough. One of my favorite groups was Mercy Me. Partly because I like to hear Courtney sing it. You know, I was going to say Aaron, but that wasn't true. But anyhow, not to say that, but anyhow. Courtney loves to sing Mercy Me. And one of the songs they sing is The Best News Ever. You ever hear that song? The Best News Ever? And, and he says, he starts off the song, he's talking about some people say try harder or try better or do better. He says, wait a minute, if you're doing that, you're going to end up being empty and dry because, listen, it, that's not the gospel. Listen, the best news ever is that Christ died for us and he shed his blood. And he has forgiven us of our sins that we don't have to try harder or do better or, or get more righteous. No, we inherit the righteousness of Christ. We have been forgiven. We have been redeemed. And listen, maybe it's been a long time since you thought about your salvation. Maybe it's been a long time since your heart's been stirred by the message of Christ. Maybe it's a long time that you realized you were helpless without God. And you would be helpless without God. And that without Him rescuing you, without Him swooping in and, and pulling you out of the grips of darkness, you would have been left in your sin. And maybe you haven't realized that you've been so tied up in the world that you haven't realized you've been conveyed to the kingdom of Christ. Now, we don't, we don't tie all our hope and our joy in the things of this world. Thank God. And we're part of another kingdom. We're part of the kingdom of Christ. We're part of the kingdom, and we're just pilgrims and sojourners in this land. Maybe you realize that through your salvation, you've been bought back. That the salvation has been provided for you and me is free, but it was costly. It's free, but it wasn't cheap. It cost, a, it cost Jesus his blood. And he did die on a cross, and he paid our price, and he paid the price to redeem you and me. And in our salvation, because of that, we have been forgiven. Maybe guilt has ridden your heart, and all you can think about is all the times that you messed up. And every time you go to do something, the devil whispers in your ear all the things you've ever done wrong before. Man, what a great way just to go to our salvation and say, I've been forgiven. As far as the east is from the west and as far as God has taken them and cast them out, that they will never be remembered anymore. 
Listen, if God has forgiven you, you can claim that forgiveness in your life and you can have it and your heart can be flooded with joy and zeal this morning. Listen, may we never get over being saved. May we meditate on that this morning and may it move our hearts with joy this morning just for a little while as we come to this time of commitment and invitation. Let's pray together.